All right, grab your Bibles this morning if you have them, and we're going to read from Psalm 16. Psalm 16. This morning is part two of our series, uh, Keep Calm and Be Anxious for Nothing. Last week, if you were here, if you remember, uh, Pastor Graham did a tremendous job launching this series. Didn't he do a great job? Yeah. Good job, Pastor Graham. And uh, we're going to camp here in this series for two more weeks after this one. There's a guy next week coming. His name's Pastor B, and I think he's going to preach a message. Uh, And then uh, two weeks? Two weeks for Pastor B. Two weeks for Pastor B. And then Pastor Tim, our fearless leader, is going to land the plane here in the last week. So we're really looking forward to that. Okay, Tim is next week. Pastor B is the week after that. So... He's going to land the plane. But either way, it's going to be great. You're not going to want to miss it. Yeah. All right. Psalm 16. I have far more confidence than scripture right now here. Here we go. Psalm 16. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land that you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance! I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Ever. You've all been to Walmart before? Yeah, sure, yeah. Clap for Walmart, yeah. <laughs> You've all been to Walmart before, I presume. All Walmarts throughout North America have these stopovers where if you have a motorhome or an RV, you can actually stop in a Walmart parking lot as a stopover when uh, you're en route somewhere. How many of you have actually stopped at a Walmart before with your RV? Okay, quite a few of you, yeah. Well, this was certainly the case for a camper named Dennis Quigley. After a long day of driving, Dennis pulled into one of these Walmart parking lots and he quickly went off to bed for a few precious hours of needed rest. Not long after that, though, Dennis awoke to hear weird noises outside his camper. Seems a not-so-smart, probably also intoxicated thief was attempting to actually siphon steel gas through a hose out of Quigley's motorhome. Well, the thief's first mistake (laughs) was siphoning gas from an already occupied motorhome. Dennis, he, he snuck a quick peek out the window He determined what was actually going on and then quickly he grabbed his cell phone and he called the police. The second major mistake that this burglar made makes this story just a little bit more interesting. (laughs) 
See, as, as some of you are probably aware, there's not one but two tanks attached to the underbelly of a motorhome. One is containing gas, the other is storage for something else. And unfortunately, for this amateur criminal, he chose the wrong tank. <laughs> when, we can't clap for that, sorry. When police arrived to arrest this guy, they found him crumpled nearby in a Walmart bush in great distress and anxiety. <laughs> Motorhome owner Dennis decided not to press charges, and I quote him here, he said, I thought the poor guy had suffered enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've all heard foolish stories like this, right? Stories of, frankly, uh, dumb criminals. It's amusing, isn't it, to, to hear about criminals getting actually caught in their own act. But friends, of course, there's a darker side to criminal activity as well. Statistics suggest that every 15 seconds in Canada, uh, a home or a dwelling is actually broken into. And so, to avoid this, over the last several decades, companies have emerged that sell these homeowner security systems, complete with camera and video and motion detection and smartphone compatibility. You name it, they've got it. Maybe you have one of these detection systems in your home, home security systems. In fact, maybe you've even heard of homeowners and, and companies installing false security cameras that's intended to give an impression of security where none actually exists. More and more, it seems, doesn't it, that we've become a society that is anxious, compulsive even, about making sure that our stuff is secure that our stuff is secure. And I suppose that it begs the question here this morning, what is our fixation with our stuff? What is this fixation of ours with security and what we are securing? And what is it that we are actually worried about losing? psalm that we just read this morning is focused on this topic, our security. In particular, the crux of the psalmist's message is God is our security. But notice this morning, it's not the psalmist's intent there in Psalm 16 to depict God as some sort of cosmic anti-theft device. And yet, if we're really honest with ourselves this morning, isn't that the way we sometimes tend to view God? We think that if God protects us and if God gives us what we think we need, if God sends us sunny days, if God keeps us from getting sick, if he prevents us from losing our stuff, then God's doing precisely what we want him to do because God's job, see, is to make us feel secure. And so we pray and we thank our divine security provider 
for keeping our kids safe and, and providing us with steady jobs. God keeps our aging vehicles on the road and he maintains heat in our homes and he guards our retirement savings so that we can rec- retire later on. God is our refuge and please don't get me wrong this morning. It's not bad to thank God for these things in our lives. But really, is that the extent of what God as our refuge means? Is God's full-time job, is it really about protecting our stuff and keeping us safe? Is that really what God does? Because if it is, then what happens when the unplanned and the unprepared for actually happens in our lives? The worst thing, what then? When cancer and disease, like a vicious imposter, invades our bodies. Or, or when financial stress comes and, and there's not enough money to actually pay the bills. Or when our marriage is on the rocks. Or when our friendships take a turn for the worse. Or when that perfect job becomes the one that is actually sapping your energy. Or when your kids are prompting heartache and pain in your life. Or when anxiety and depression hit us like a ton of bricks and we're actually entertaining suicidal thoughts what then in those moments and I gather in a group like this some of you are there today what do we do with our preconceived God of refuge then is God still faithful is God still good, even in our tragedy, even in our stress and anxiety and pain? Carefully, gently, can I suggest that maybe trusting God for our security is less about us telling God what we think he needs to secure and more about trusting God to show us what's truly valuable. Are you with me this morning? Let me put it this way. Could it be that our present circumstances and the size of our problems here today have become so overwhelming to us that we're really not focusing on God like we should. See, maybe, friends, we don't define what security is. Maybe God does. And if that's true, then that changes a lot of stuff for us because suddenly what it does is it redefines who's in charge. And in some cases, it actually forces us to recalibrate what we think is actually 
important. So let's take a look at this psalm as it applies to what we're talking about here this morning. In verse 1 of this particular psalm, it starts off with an assumption that actually challenges ours. The psalmist assumes that we all come to God with a need. It starts actually with a prayer there. Take a look at it in verse 1. God, keep me safe. I've come to you for refuge. It's a, it's a cry based on an assumption that as secure as we try to make our lives, that there's always the possibility of imbalance and disorder. I mean, honestly, who here this week hasn't been reminded that life is messy, isn't messy? It's messy. No matter how hard we, we try to create security on our own, there's always the possibility of an intrusion on that particular security, isn't there? And so preemptively here, the psalmist says there in verse 1, he acknowledges this and he seeks God out and he professes his faith to God there in verse 2. He says, God, you are my master. Every good thing comes from you. And he acknowledges the existence of godly people around him in whom he takes good pleasure, it says there in verse 3. You have friends like that, don't you? Friends that you take good pleasure in. Friends that you enjoy. And then the psalmist launches into this, really it's a rant, (laughs) about the foolishness of those who embrace other gods. Now, the psalmist's words would have carried an enormous amount of weight in an ancient culture where pagan worship often involved the ritual drinking of sacrificial blood. And so the picture there in verse 4, as gruesome as it is, is of pagan worshipers and they're lifting up their cups in ritual and they're drinking blood identified with the names of pagan gods. And the psalmist testifies that people who find their security in God won't do that. Instead, the psalmist makes it very, very clear there in verse 4 that he won't do that. And from our vantage point, we certainly say we won't do that either because we do not live in a culture where we make little relics and we bow down to them and we certainly don't drink blood that's disgusting but friends let's keep challenging ourselves on where we actually put our security and let's not be fooled like pagans of old we know what it's like for our hearts to grow anxious we know what it's like to say you know what god haven't heard from you in a little while. God, I know that you are calling me to belief and obedience, but at the same time, you're not really giving me a whole lot here, a whole lot of tangible evidence to remind me, to show me that you're there. And so, as Christians, increasingly filled with worry and stress and fear and anxiety and in an attempt to create a certain sense of security in our lives we're prone to cling to something something to help us replace God 
And when we cling to it, in essence, we start to bow down to it. And we call it God. In those attempts to overcome anxiety and establish security, we put those things between ourselves and God. And then we elevate those things to the point where it's actually hard to distinguish what is God and what those things actually are. And when that happens, friends, it becomes a form of idolatry. Because the moment that we elevate that thing, whatever it is, and we equate it to God, it's the very moment that we begin to put our security in it. And ironically, the anxiety that we have tried to avoid, what happens? It floods right in, doesn't it? Friends, this is why some of us lie in our beds at night, tossing, unable to fall asleep, and staring at the ceiling because we've gotten so wrapped up in those things that have edged God out. But the psalmist here says, I won't do that. I won't do that. Read verses 5 and 8. He says, I'm going to place my commitment in God. Verse 5, God, you're my inheritance. God, you're my cup of blessing. Verse 6, God, anything I have, it's you that's given it to me and it's good. And because of this, the psalmist says in verse 7, God, I will bless you because you guide me. You're the one that instructs me. Verse 8, you're the one that always is with me. And no matter what, whether it's something good or bad that life throws at me. In verse 8, the psalmist says, I will not be shaken. Why? Because God, you are right beside me. What is the psalmist saying here? Friends, he's saying God's presence is bigger than than your problem. So stop fighting for control. Some of you are having a hard time with this message. I get it. I'm not sure if this helps or hinders you this morning. I hope it's the former. But if I can be honest with you, I'm having a hard time with this too. I told a close friend of mine yesterday that I'm grinding right now. I'm grinding. We pastors, we have a tendency to battle anxiety and worry and depression in secret. And then we find our ways out of that through prayer or through counseling or through support. And then we testify about it months or years later. And that's a good thing. But I'm here to tell you this morning that I'm grappling right now in this season of my life. 
thanks. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm a pretty good self-analyzer. I analyze myself fairly well, and like clockwork, this time of year is always hard for me. Maybe it is for you too. This is danger zone for me, November. <laughs> I, I feel the relentless tug on my spirit. Uh, things that are normally easy are much more difficult. I find myself wrestling often with anxious thoughts, clamoring for control. And like the weather patterns, things often seem kind of dark and cold. Even this morning, uh, as I was preparing to preach, I sensed that check in my spirit. Will you trust me? Even though things are tough. And so I don't preach, uh, I don't preach this morning from a lofty pulpit or music stand. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, uh, it feels like a valley for me right now. And in many ways, I am preaching way <laughs> way over my head. Uh, one of the songs that we have sung a fair bit, we don't sing it as much these days, but we have sung it a lot in the past, is uh, Matt Redman's song, uh, Blessed Be Your Name. You know that song, right? Blessed be your name. In the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me when the world is just as it should be, blessed be your name. But those of you who know this song, you know that there's a second part to this song, right? <clears throat> and it's a lot harder to sing sometimes, isn't it? <clears throat> Tears sometimes flowing down our faces, we sing, blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Let me ask this morning, are you like me, maybe in the midst of one of those life lessons where you and I are learning uh, together to trust God for our security even in the midst of the storm. See, God doesn't say, follow me when times are good. He says, follow me, period. Maybe you're in one of those uh, roads marked with suffering chapters of your life today. If so, can I encourage you that even though there may be pain in the offering today, that there's still hope. That we can say, as the psalmist says in verse 9, God, my body rests in your safety. Verse 10, God, you won't leave me. Instead, verse 11, you'll show me the way of life and you'll grant me the joy of your presence and you'll show me the pleasures of living with you forever. Catch this, even if it's tough. 
even if it's tough, even if it's tough right now. Friends, that's, that's, that's true security. That's, that's real security. Where do you find your security this morning? Where or, or to whom do you go when life seems too much to handle? What is the hardest thing that you're dealing with right now? What is it? Have we placed something between ourselves and God and inadvertently sought security in that thing instead of God? Or like the psalmist here, is our security firmly rooted in a God that wants to reveal himself to us even in the midst of our storms. When your, when your world is turned completely upside down, when your job is tough, or when, when you're sick, or when you're tired, or when your relationships go bad, or if you, when you're thrown a curveball that you never expected, and that fear, and that stress, and that, that anxiety shows up, is God really our portion and our cup, our delightful inheritance? Amen. Amen. And so as we close this morning, I want to invite you to have the courage to put at the forefront of your mind that toughest thing, the toughest thing that you're dealing with right now. It's a challenge. It's a situation. It's a crisis. It's a seemingly impossible scenario in which you do not know what to do. And whatever it is, as you think about that situation, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage myself to ask, where am I seeking security in this? Can I really trust God to use this situation to make me into the person that he actually wants me to be? God, can I actually see you in this situation and through this, actually learn to love and know you in a way that I never have before. If you can say yes to that, God bless you. Keep going. I encourage you along. If not, then maybe today is a day for you to reorient yourself a little bit. I guess that some of you arrived this morning completely stressed out. <laughs> Listen, we are glad that you're here. We're glad that you've come. It was a good choice this morning when you got out of bed to do that. Maybe this morning you came and you sat down here today with the weight of the world on your shoulders. Let me offer a word of confidence and hope to you today that whatever it is that you find yourself going through, that God can be a solid place of confidence when everything else is swirling around. When everything else seems so unreliable, God can be your security today. In fact, God can even help you to discover or rediscover what real security actually is. The truth is that in our darkest moments, God can make himself abundantly clear to us. Amen? And so we're going to close this morning.
singing that song that we ended with last week, No Longer Slaves. And while we stand and while we sing this together, I'm going to invite those of you who feel compelled to do this, to come to the front as a tangible expression of your desire to seek God as your refuge in whatever situation you find yourself in. There'll be some people, pastors, other people that will be here to pray with you. If you wish, you can rest here. You can cry here if you like. You can be honest before God. I'm going to invite you to come if you feel led to do that this morning. Regardless, let me encourage all of us to look to God today. The God of refuge in good times and bad. Let's pray. God, some of us this morning are facing some pretty tough situations. There's anxiety, there's stress and worry, and we feel it like a blanket on our soul. Maybe, God, this morning uh, we feel like the worst thing has happened and it might not even go away for a while. In your presence this morning, God, we want to ask for you to give us wisdom and grace. You are our refuge like the psalmist has written by your grace would you turn those experiences that we're living and feeling right now into God honoring Christ honoring experiences that bring glory and honor to you today in your presence God we commit the anxiety and these problems to you come and do a work in us we pray